Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Chris. Uh, Chris is a dad and a family man uh, who recently got back into console gaming after kind of putting it away during college time. He's got just thousands of hours in the Souls games, which is kind of crazy because he's only been playing them for about a year. So uh, it's a really interesting episode, and Chris seems like a really nice guy. And it's kind of crazy to hear that someone could spend that much time in these games. Um, just 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 like that just pick them up and do it uh which i find kind of fascinating so um i think you guys are going to enjoy this one so i'm going to let you get to it thanks Why don't we start from the very beginning and tell me uh, where you first encountered the Souls games or from software games in general. Um, so can I take one step back before that? Sure, um, yeah. I'm probably on the older end of your guest list. Mm-hmm. So I hit the video game arcade craze right around junior high to high school age. Okay. So I played a ton and ton of video games like Asteroids and Defender, Pac-Man, that kind of thing. All right. And But by the time I got to college, I pretty much stopped playing video games. And besides playing Tomb Raider on a PC around 2000, I really had no contact with video games for many, many years. Uh, and I purchased a PS4 for my son in 2014. Uh, he started playing Destiny, and I got into that game as well. Realized I needed a second PS4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember from your email, and this this has been like a year or so ago from when we originally talked, uh, you were like 500 hours into Destiny, right? Uh, 1,700 hours. Into oh, Destiny. wow. <laughs> That's a lot of yes. hours. <laughs> um, I got hooked up with a clan after my first month and... That's just been the greatest gaming experience to have, you know, 20 guys that you game with on a weekly or even daily basis. Yeah, we do raids every week. We're deep into Destiny 2 now. I do, do two raids a week with those guys. So, and raiding with friends is just one of the greatest things around. So still do it. Nice. Uh, but around the fall of 2000, or let's see, around 2015, fall of 2015, there was a, you know, a, the content lull in Destiny, and a friend in the clan had been talking about Bloodborne. And the, the first time he talked about it, I was like, "Oh my god, that is the most horrendous sounding game I've ever heard of." <laughs> I mean, looking back, I think he was talking about the first Stone Troll in Central Yarnum. But at some point, I decided to pick it up and play it, and I really, really struggled. Right, I'd really just played Destiny, first-person shooter, so I had no clue what I was doing with weapons and builds and that kind of stuff. And I think I spent about eight hours to open the first shortcut back to the first lantern in Central Yarnum. Mm-hmm. But it never entered my mind to quit. I was just hooked from you know the very first scene in you know getting the blood injection, and then that very first beast. It, it never occurred to me to quit, even though it was brutally hard for me. Um, but I did decide I needed some help, so I went and I found the wikis, Fexter Life specifically, and I found a walkthrough a video series by a guy on YouTube named Lucian Sword. Okay. And what he appealed to me about his videos is they were 100% clears of every level, so he would show every shortcut, every shiny, every everything about every level. Uh, so was, there were technical walkthroughs, not lore, lore things, but very technical. And so I would watch one of his videos maybe twice and I would read the corresponding wiki page and then I would go struggle through the level and 
you know, by the end of the game, I was getting decent at it. I still didn't think I was very good, but I, I, I did finish the game. I did do uh, the chalices and get uh, the platinum trophy. Um, so I got pretty, wow. much in, pretty deep into it. Yeah. When did the um, uh, like? When did the combat click for you? Like, when did you finally get a handle on the control? I think old Yarnum. Um, mm-hmm. By old Yarnum, I started getting it. Uh, I, I somewhere in the chalices, I got a fire gem, and I put that on my saw cleaver. And when I realized that could you know stagger the and kill the beast really quick, that's kind of when things started to click system wise, and I started paying attention to my weapon stats and my. You know, the gems you put in it and the, the runes you wear. So I started clicking with the systems, just starting in Old Yarnum, um, and just went on from there. You know, again, I was digging deep in the wikis, so there's a lot of information in there about how to how to tweak your build. And, you know, for a certain boss, what their weakness is, whether I needed to use um, fire or a bolt or arcane or whatever. Wow, so you were you were actively like before you would even get to a boss, you were kind of looking up what that boss would be and trying to figure out the strategies before it. I would have watched five different YouTube videos on every <laughs> boss to make sure. I, I really had very low self confidence in, in my mm-hmm. abilities at that point, so I was trying to get as much help as I could. Sure, yeah. Um, well, that yeah. sounds like it's like the first, um, like besides Destiny and like uh, the tomb, the old the old style Tomb Raider games back in the early two thousands. Like that's your first like real AAA like third person controlling video game, right? It absolutely was. I think after I'd got my PS4 and Destiny, I played Child of Light and Journey. Okay. And then, I went to, then I went to Bloodborne. So it was a pretty big shift for me. Really mind-blowing for me. Um, really, really into it. The aesthetic is awesome. The, 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 the enemies are great. I love the boss fights. I still get adrenaline rushes when I play a boss today. Did you uh do you have kind of an affection for that like gothic horror slash uh Lovecraftian kind of aesthetic that the game was going for? I didn't know I did, but yeah, I I definitely loved the aesthetic, the environment, you know, it's mostly dark. Uh the architecture, the enemy design, the enemy placement. I'm not big into Lovecraft. Um so that that shift from the beast to the aliens didn't really do much for me mm-hmm. as far as I, you know, I know lots of people are fascinated with that. It didn't really click with me as anything significant. I was just, it was just the next boss. I'd actually seen some of the aliens before I got to Bergenworth, because if you go into the chalices, um, I ran into those big centipede demons that spit fire. Or not demons, but the centipede beasts. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in, in the forest, there's a side canyon that has aliens in it. So there's places you can see the aliens before you get to Bergenworth. Sure. Has it like have inspired you to go like seek out any of that stuff outside of the game? No, not really. Besides, um, uh, I, I found Bonfire Side Chat when I was about halfway through my New Game Plus run, and it just happened to coincide exactly. They were doing, I think, Upper, Upper Cathedral Ward, and I was just about at that same point. So that was kind of cool. So I did listen to the rest of that season. And then as I did New Game Plus Plus, I went back and listened to the the, the beginning areas of Bonfire Side Chat. So I did kind of did a circle there from Upper uh, Cathedral Ward back to the beginning and then caught up. So I listened to that whole first season of Bonfire Side Chat. <clears throat> and then looking through the history of Bonfire Side Chat, I saw, oh, they've done some other games before this. Uh, there's Dark Souls 2, and there's Demon Souls, and they started with Dark Souls. So I started looking up Dark Souls on the internet to see if I wanted to play that. But I didn't have a PS3. Uh, 
and I was just having a chat with my brother-in-law, and I was lamenting the fact that I didn't have a PS3 because I really wanted to play this game, Dark Souls. Uh, and he's like, oh, I have a PS3 in my closet. It's just collecting dust. Why don't you take it? I'm like, no way. That's awesome. So I got his PS3, and I went on Amazon, and I'd done a little research, and I was told I needed to get the um, Prepare to Die edition so it would have the DLC included. So I ordered that on Amazon, and then I got my shipping notice, and it was like 30 days. It's like coming from the UK on a boat oh, or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I was like, I'm not waiting a month to play. What the heck? I've got this new <laughs> console. I want to play. So I went back to Amazon and I ordered Demon Souls. And that came in like three days. So that was much better. Um, so again, I dug into the wikis and I found a like a build page. And I found a PvE build called Demon's Mage. All right. Sounds good. Um, sure, yeah. It started yeah. with... It started with Cheesy Nostrava with backstabs and cheesing old King Duran to get his armor. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning, that sounded really good. I got all this good gear. But then I realized later what a mistake I'd made as far as screwing up my... <laughs> the actual my, story. The actual story. And it also really shifted my world tendency back towards black. And I was still playing online at this point, and my tendency kept changing. So by the time I got around to like planning out my platinum trophy my first run was basically worthless for that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I had to reset all, all the world tendencies. That I, I feel like everybody trophy does on that. Demon Souls is just a bitch. That is the hardest one. It's all. it's it's ridiculous. Like it's I still it don't have really it. It's hard. the only game that I don't I don't have it for. I, even though I keep meaning to go back and doing it uh, do it. But man, I just I, I knew I could have someone drop me like pure plate stone or whatever and, it, and that would be fine. Like that would be oh. like a but I just I don't know. I just it's just such a grind to get all the weapons, to manage the world tendency, like to play offline, to be able to do all that stuff. It's it's kind of just a it's just a yeah, process. Offline versus online wasn't that big a deal because I don't think online was really functional when I played it. I could see substone messages, but I couldn't rate them. Rate them. I never ever got invaded, and in, you know my hundred and eighty hours in Demon Souls, I never got invaded once. Um, I tried to get. Uh, summoned for that boss where you can be the player in the boss. I tried that for like three hours, never got summoned. Hmm. So, and when I played that boss three times, I never, I don't think I ever had a human doing that. So it's, I'm not sure the online servers are there or I didn't have my PS3 hooked up right. I mean, you know, for a long time I was offline, but when I was online, I never saw any online activity. Um, but I did mess up my world tendency twice by accident. One time I just forgot to commit suicide in the Nexus, and I went back out in the world and died. And the other time was Lady Astrea. I finished the fight, and I went into my menus, and I was doing some inventory management, and I died from the plague just standing there. <laughs> I didn't realize you could do that, but you know, just standing in the water, it kills you. So Stupid no-pause button. <laughs> well, I didn't even know, right? I'm like in my inventory, and I just die. Like, what? <laughs> but of course, I was human then since I'd finished the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, what so was it like other- going back from, from Bloodborne to Demon Souls? Because that's such a huge difference in terms of like it evolution mechanics. Yeah. I, I, part of the reason I picked a mage is because I had no idea how to use a, a, a sword and shield. You know, I didn't know how to do sword and board. So part of the reason I picked a mage was so I didn't have to figure out how to use a shield. And the, the mage actually was pretty darn easy. Uh, there were only a couple places where I had to like try and use a shield to keep from in, like basically other enemies that had ranged attacks I could use a shield on. But I didn't, didn't really do much melee at all. Um, I did do the 
the, 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 the dupe glitch early on. Mm-hmm. Again, reading wikis and finding that stuff. Uh, later, I realized that was a mistake and stopped because I was really overleveled for my first playthrough. Um, and then this PS3 that I'd gotten from my brother-in-law, I just thought the controller sucked and it would just, you know, like the Bluetooth connection was bad because it would randomly press buttons for me. I didn't realize that it was actually broken. Um, and like standing in front of Stockpile Thomas, I decided to R2 him. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and there's, I couldn't figure out any way to, to like get forgiveness for that sin and un, un-aggro him. So I eventually had to kill him. And he is a tough fight. He is really hard. I don't think I've ever fought um, Stockpile Thomas. I've never, I've never done that. Is he really tough? He is really tough, and he aggro's the instant you show up in the nexus. He just like runs at you from across the room. So there was nothing I could do besides kill him, and then I had to play the rest of that game without, uh, <laughs> without my storage box. But eventually got through it. <clears throat> That's pretty miserable in Demon Souls because he just it like was your, not your, fun. Yeah, your carry weight and everything like that was something that they've eventually removed from the games. Um, and I can I just say I'm like I'm in the middle of playing Dragon's Dogma right now, which is a game that gets mm-hmm. compared to Dark Souls One quite a bit. Um, and they have a, like a carrying weight, like so if, the more stuff that your character picks up, like the slower they go. And it's just the most annoying thing ever. Like I feel like that stuff is just like it's not realistic. It doesn't make anything more immersive for me. It just it's just like makes me do um, annoying inventory management, which is yeah, I, just, I, I do just not miss like. it at all. I yeah. don't miss it. It was it was quite a bitch. Uh, yeah, Pure Bladestone you mentioned, that was terrible. I think I spent like six hours farming that one skeleton. <laughs> in 4-2 four, in four or whatever, the one that, we, that you can run down yeah. from the, the crypt. Yeah, yeah. you hit a hit a imaginary wall, run down, throw mm-hmm. some pyro on him, hope, hope and pray that you get the Bladestone you need. Yeah, that was a bitch. But I did finally get the um, Platinum Trophy. That final quest was, was really fun for... Um, the lady that sends you on assassination missions—that was pretty fun. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Like I, they—they they haven't really. They've done similar stuff in the other games with that, but I don't think that anything really like works as well as like them telling you like, okay, now actually go and kill this character or what have you. Like it's just such a it's such a weird thing for a video game to do for an RPG to do um, that it's it's unexpected. I agree. Had a lot of fun. Um, so, like, the way f- to get the Platinum Trophy, I spent 160 hours. I recently went back, after playing all the other games, I went back and did Demon's Souls again. It is really short. I did a strength build, and I was done in 18 hours. I was amazed <laughs> by how small it is. You know, and the first time through, it just seemed like this mammoth, massive, infinite space thing. But it's really not that big a game. As my friends over at uh, Bonfire Side Chat like to say, knowledge compresses space, right? Like the fact yeah. that you can go in, very true, n- knowing what you're doing and kind of know, like, okay, well, I I know I don't have to go through this area because there's nothing in there that I really need, so I can just bypass it all together. Whereas, you know, the first time that you play these games, you, especially me, like I was terrified, so I had like my shield up, going around every single corner, like, oh my god, what's is there a monster over here? Is there a monster over there? Like you kind of very very slowly go through those games, but yeah. Now, like, I play Dark Souls 1, and I'm just, like, literally sprinting through the levels because I know I don't really have to kill anything. <laughs> you could just run right through yeah. it. Yeah, my first playthrough is definitely 100% clear. I, I don't think there's an enemy in any of these games that I haven't killed at least once. <clears throat> so I make sure I kill every enemy at least once, pick mm-hmm. up every shiny at least once. But, yeah, later playthroughs, definitely learn which ones you need and which ones you don't. Absolutely. 
Are you um like you, how did you feel about the the, the different kind of story setting? Like Bloodborne obviously has that as we talked about that horror Lovecraftian aesthetic, and then Demon Souls is much more of your typical like you know European fantasy or you know Western fantasy RPG kind of setup. Are you more in love with one than the other? So I like the Bloodborne setting. I love the Bloodborne setting, but I really enjoy the Dark Souls settings as well. The medieval, uh, you know, knight in shining armor, sword and board. I really dig that too. Uh, so I'm, I think I like the Dark Souls a little bit better than Demon Souls on that mm-hmm. standpoint. But, you know, they have a lot of similarities as far as the gear kind of set out and being set in castles and stuff. I, I, I do like the, the, you know, the, the medieval setting a lot, but I like Bloodborne more. Did you? Uh, I know you're watching like a lot of YouTube videos and you're looking at the Wikipedia's. Are you are you delving into lore videos and things like that as well? Like, are you picking up the story? And no, stuff like I that? wasn't doing any lore videos. I'm not really a big story person. I, I was listening to Bonfireside Chat along, you know, with my Demon Souls playthrough. So you know, I pick up the lore by listening to those guys. But when I'm playing the game, I'm not paying attention to the lore at all. If I pick up a new item, I'm like checking. Does this you know, is this weapon going to be better than the weapon I have? Does it meet my build? You know, what's its scaling stats? You know, that kind of thing. I'm, but I don't really pay attention to the, the text on there in general. Well, that explains why you're uh, why you could play so much Destiny if you don't like story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Brian Wade. <laughs> that was for you. I was just I just like I just like messing with my Destiny fans. <laughs> the Destiny Two story is definitely better. Yeah, um, I've heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't play Destiny if story is your main thing. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, my buddy Brian did try to explain to me. He's like, oh, man, the story and, and Destiny 2. And he's like started like, you know, sending me text messages of, of like lore stuff. And I'm like, I don't, dude, I, I just don't care. Like, I'll, if I play it, I'll get into it. But like, I'm just, I'm just not into it yet. Where did you go from Demon Souls? At that point, did your, did your European copy of Dark Souls 1? Yeah, so, so my demons, my Dark Souls copy showed up. So um, I went online again, video searching, and I found a build from uh, Epic Name Bro. It was his favorite dex build for Dark Souls, and that sounded pretty good to me. So the first thing I did after I got out of the Undead Asylum was I started speedrunning into the catacombs to get the Great Scythe. <laughs> so that was my introduction to Dark Souls was running past all the enemies to get the great side. But then I couldn't use it because I didn't have the stats, so I just carried it around for a while. Um, I did okay at the beginning of Dark Souls, again, coming off Demon Souls, but at this point I was playing um, a dex build, so I had to learn how to use a shield and block and stagger enemies and backstab and that kind of stuff that I never really figured out in Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a shift in my play style. Um, I did okay up until the point I got to Sen's Fortress, and I got super, super stuck at Sen's Fortress. And I had a house guest at the time that was kind of hanging out with my family during the day, and then he'd go off with his friends at night. He used to live in this town, but so he would go off with some other friends in the evening. And when he'd leave, I'd be playing Dark Souls, and when he'd come home at one in the morning, I'd still be playing Dark Souls, and I'd still be batting my face against those two snake dudes at the beginning of Sin's Fortress. Sure. Yeah. And this happened two nights in a row when he comes home. It's like you're still in the same spot, and he just couldn't figure out what I was doing, uh, nor could I. Um, but I finally got to that top bonfire after two nights of playing, and then I decided I needed to grind for the Balder side sword. So for another night, he kept coming home and finding me grinding for the Balder Sight Sword, just killing those same guys over and over again. I did finally get it. 
Um, That's a hard so one. Yeah, I must have spent I must have spent fifteen twenty hours in Sin's Fortress the first time, and wow. when I came back on New Game Plus, I just ran straight through the whole thing without dying. Just faced it. So, <laughs> you know, once you learn it, you know you know it. You That's know it. it forever. It's um, yeah. it's it's one of the best levels in Souls history, and it's for for a good reason. I think it's a lot for that reason. Like it's, it's you know just that kind of vertical level design and. <laughs> Sorry, my dog just literally fell off the bed behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it now. I sure had some hate for it at the time, but yeah, Yeah, I I love it now. It's one of those things that, like, as you're going through it, you hate it, and then you look back upon it fondly. Like, I think that's why Dark Souls gets like a weird reputation as for like the get good crowd, the kind of hardcore gamer, quote unquote, crowd, because you know you go through these relatively difficult challenges and you finish it, and then you feel like it's easy. So if anyone ever says like, "Oh, I'm having a lot of difficulty with this level," you're like, "Oh, all you got to do is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like you just run it down. <clears throat> I think that's part of the problem when it comes to people talking about Dark Souls or Demon Souls or Bloodborne. But uh, what did you have any like challenges with any of the other levels, in, or was that the um, biggest one in Dark Souls? I think that was the biggest one in Dark Souls. Um, I did eventually platinum trophy that, um, but I had trouble getting Sunlight Meadows because mm-hmm. I. I had a lot of trouble getting summoned to somebody that actually wanted to fight the boss. I'd put my summon sign down before gargoyles and either I wouldn't get summoned for 15 minutes or when I finally did, it was somebody wanted to trade that's like start putting loot on the ground and they had no, no interest in doing the boss. So it took me a long time to get those 10 sunlight medals. It was, it was really painful. This was, um, 2016 probably. Yeah, early 2016, probably February, March. So Dark Souls 2 was out, but yeah, I had a lot of trouble on PS3 getting summoned. Maybe PC was better at the time, I don't know. Um, And as far as Platinum Trophy, the tough one there was Channeler's Trident. Yep, That was really hard to get, but once I got that, everything else was pretty straightforward. Um, I've done my time in the archives getting that stupid Channeler's Trident. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that took a long, long time. Not as bad as Bladestone, but still, it took mm-hmm. probably four hours of just that same guy over and over again. Yeah, pretty painful. As um, I'm curious, uh, as somebody yeah. that doesn't play or hadn't played a lot of video games up until this point in your life, um, like the idea of getting these platinum games, is that just like a completion thing of like, I want to do every single thing that the developers have outlined for me to do? Is it like a checklist or is there kind of like a... Like bragging rights to it, but what what drives you to get those those trophies and those platinum trophies? It's all about checklists. It's, yeah. it's something that's in the game that's there. I'm I'm very much a completionist. I'm very detail oriented. When I say checklists, I literally have checklists. <laughs> I've got a list of things that I need to do in in certain levels, and I'll plan ahead like three bosses. Oh, I need to do this kind of damage on that boss. I'll make sure I've got that gear before I get to that boss. Yeah, I'm very. Um, you know, I'm talking about the older games. Later on, I started playing blind, but uh, mm-hmm. when I was going backwards to games that already existed and there's a ton of material on the internet, uh, I didn't play those blind. I was very well prepared for every level. Did you spend any time on like build planners and things like that, like kind of doing um, some theory some, crafting? Some, not a ton. I didn't get deep, deep into those, uh, but I did some. Um, my funky DS3 controller hit, <laughs> Aggro the Dark Moon fight Nidus, the firekeeper in Anor Londo. So oh no. That bonfire. 
um, that was pretty painful. So I was able to use the bonfire at the bottom of the stairs to when I went for ONS. But yeah, that was just a bitch. I, I did eventually order a new PS3 controller and figure out that it was the old one was broken. And <laughs> the cursed it definitely the definitely curse. caused me some problems. <laughs> the cursed DS3 controller. I love it. <laughs> I, I honestly just thought. That you know that older generation of consoles, the Bluetooth wasn't very good. <laughs> it was that was the way it was supposed to be? So well, those triggers, is, found out. especially on the DS3, were uh, extremely sensitive. Like you could, it, 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 you could easily like I, I've I've heard stories from people where they set down their controller and accidentally like do a swing on an NPC in Dark Souls because that you know there's that R2 button is so sensitive. Oh yeah, that definitely happened quite a bit as well. But you know, I'd be out of the room and come back, and it'd have done something on the controller. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, so got the platinum on Dark Souls. Jumped immediately into Dark Souls Two. Was extremely happy to be on my PS4 with proper save files and a controller that worked and uh, <laughs> at sixty frames per second. Yeah, and on on the PS3, I was using. Um, headphones that were connected to the optical output okay and in order to switch to that you had to quit your game you know i'd be in the middle of something and my family would be going to bed i'm like okay i'm gonna switch to headphones and be like okay we need to quit your game i'm like no i don't want to quit my game (laughs) yeah the ps3 was very annoying very happy to be back on ps4 um so on dark souls 2 i did a pure strength build to start um using the demon's great hammer mostly once I got into the DLCs, I started using Smelter Great Hammer. Just r- walked around flattening everything I could find. <laughs> <laughs> really liked it. Strength builds are some of my favorites in, in, in the Souls games. Like, just to get a big, you know, just a big giant weapon and then to just, like you said, flatten everything on your way to a boss. Like, it's just so satisfying. Yes, I'm totally converted to strength builds. I, I do them all the time now. It was so much fun. Um, so as far as like watching wikis and stuff, it actually got me in trouble on this one because when I got to I finished Duke's Dear Freya and I get to the bonfire and it explodes with a huge enemy on it, and it absolutely scared the crap out of me because the wiki didn't tell me about this. And it scared me and I ran back in the hallway and I'm peering around the corners like, what the hell is sitting on my bonfire? <laughs> and it actually scared me enough. And I had a ton of souls, right? It just killed the boss. So I tried to go backwards to the previous bonfire, back through the boss arena, up all those spider webs, but you finally get stuck to a point you can't climb up. So I went back, and I'm like, okay. I run out there, and I smack him as hard as I can, and my weapon just bounces off. And then he starts talking to me like, oh, God, it's an NPC. (laughs) That was my introduction to Aldia. (laughs) And through these points, I'd been correcting website. You know, I was editing the the Fexter Life wikis whenever I found an inconsistency. But I left that one in there, so the next person that gets stuck there is going to have the equal uh, shock. Yeah, Aldia is such a surprise. Like when they patched him into the the main game back when Dark Souls Two was first released. Like I remember going through the game and just like sitting down at a bonfire. Like holy crap, there's a giant weirdo creature with a weird voice right there. Where did you come from? Uh, I love Aldia. I love Aldia now, but man, yeah, too, he yeah. scared the crap out of me that first time, which I assume was the purpose. You know, that's what the developers wanted, and they certainly succeeded there. There's quite a number of mechanical changes going from Dark Souls 1 to Dark Souls 2 in terms of like your character speed and your animation and the way the stats work. Did any of that stuff like uh, give you any trouble? or did you? It didn't you- bother me at the time, mm-hmm. but now if I go back to Dark Souls 2, it really bothers me. Right, the character is very floaty. Um, 
like he'll just like glide upstairs like it's a ramp, and that that really bothers me. And some of the camera movement, um, yeah, I, I I would say Dark Souls Two from a technical, you know, how it feels in the hand perspective is my least favorite for sure. I like all the other ones better. I do like a lot of the levels, a lot of the bosses in Dark Souls Two, but the the mechanical feel of it is is my least favorite. Was there anything uh, up to the Sin's Fortress level of frustration in Dark Souls 2 for you? Uh, Dark Lurker is the hardest level of any of the Souls games that I've done. (laughs) (coughs) I went in there starting with 70 human effigies. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I ran out of human effigies, I went back and I respect for lightning uh, faith and used lightning spears because I just absolutely could not kill those bosses with my strength weapon. Uh, you know, I could get the first one down, but as soon as the second one came, I'd get murdered. And that run-up is just, God, it was brutal. There's two red phantoms in there. I was constantly getting invaded by, you know, other players. I eventually ended up despawning every enemy in the run-up because I did it so much. It was just brutal. It's when a, I've it's... gone back and played it, I just skipped that level entirely. There's no way I'm ever going back to Dark Lurker. It's such a shame because I really like that boss fight a whole lot. Um, like it's challenging, but it's challenging in a really good way. And like the, it's a it's, it's a relatively unique boss fight in the Souls games with the way that the you know like a lot of the bosses have a second you know a clone or, or whatever. But I feel like the the way that that plays out mechanically is pretty different in the Dark Lurker. And also like the music is really cool, and Dark Lurker is just a really cool boss. But it's such a pain in the ass to get to that, like, I'm just, it's just going to be, it, like, it's, it's, I have to decide way early, like, okay, I am going to go to Dark Lucker and I am going to beat him. But there's not a whole lot of, like, actual rewards for it. So it's, it's kind of frustrating that they kind of hid that boss behind so much, you know, BS work to get there. Yeah, I've heard other people talk sugar on that boss, and I just have no shortage of hate for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how technically good it was. It was, uh, I, I, I just, I'm fuming right now. <laughs> You've got PTSD. It's what it yeah, sounds that like. That was just so, so bad. So bad. Do you have uh, a favorite boss love, of it in the game? Uh, Burnt Ivory King, the main boss, where yeah. you get to drop down using your four knights, and you can actually bring several summons with you as well. Um, in general, I found Sunbrewing in Dark Souls 2 to just be the most awesome thing. Right, I really hadn't done it before. I was playing mostly offline in Demon Souls, Dark Souls. Right, I couldn't get summoned for crap. But when I got about to um, Smelter Demon, I found that not only could I get summoned easily, but I could summon other people easily. And I really fell in love with being a Sunbro. I think I had you know 150 Sunlight Medals by the time I finished Dark Souls 2. I would just do it for hours and hours and hours. Um, this was before Dark Souls 3. I've since gone back and played Dark Souls 2, and the Sunbro thing is dead. Is I much have to play it solo now. Yeah, nobody's yeah. there. But I know they everyone. do the um, I know they do the events and stuff. Like uh, just recently, I think that Return to Lordran kicked back up. But uh, like if you jump in during those times, like you know the Reddit crowd or and the and the wiki crowds uh, might be. be in there. But man, it's that that's that's a huge part of those games for me. Is you know playing with other people and getting summoned and summoning other people and seeing like oh my god that crazy weapon where did you get that like all that kind of stuff. So it's 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 disappointing like once the and it happens to every multiplayer game right like it's always going to happen yes. but it's always disappointing when you go in and it's kind of empty it's like everyone forgot this place so. yeah I, I love helping other people my best one was recently on Gwen 
I was got summoned by somebody, and they're using the Drake sword. I'm like, oh my god, you poor soul! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Obviously, a challenge run. He probably didn't know it, but he had a, had a challenge run built up for himself there. I'm, I'm going to cue Framps. Uh, you sorry fool, <laughs> right in there as well. Oh man, yeah. I used to love the. I'm sorry for him. I used to love the PvP builds where people would uh, like dress up as you know in the the Boarhelm and the Drake Sword and like the Night Shield or whatever and pretend to be new players and then trick like the people that they that would invade them into uh, into like you know into a parry or whatever and they would pull out a giant weapon and just clobber them on the repost like <laughs> stuff like that was always really fun. Yeah, I like listening to PvP stories mm-hmm. and but I don't like playing it at all. I, I don't do any of it of my own volition. Occasionally, you have to do it as part of a trophy. Um, but if there's a grind option, I'll, I'll grind an enemy for the drop instead. Yeah, I just don't do any PvP. Same thing in Destiny. I really don't do PvP. I'm totally a PvE guy. It's all co-op and, and, Pv- and PvE. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure you would run across it, though, because especially in Dark Souls 2, like, invasions were, were so common. Oh, I get invaded, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, like, you know, we were in Dark Souls 2 on Burnt Ivory King. I got invaded. I took off all my armor and did the have mercy gesture. And the guy just <laughs> dropped some loot and left. Like, yes, nice. I don't have to fight him. Uh, sometimes really I'll just jump off cliffs so I don't have to fight him. That happens uh, a lot. Like there's there's a, definitely a segment of the population that is just, they're not there for PvP whatsoever and they don't want to engage with it at all. Yeah, I, when I got to Dark Souls 3, I would actually fight my invaders. I would usually lose because they're skilled at it and have a build tailored to it, and I'm neither of those things, so I would typically lose, but um, sometimes I would win. Uh, so I did get the Platinum Trophy on Dark Souls 2, uh, and at this point, the DLC for Bloodborne came out, mm-hmm. and so I shifted my stack tactics and went in blind. No videos, no wikis. And I amazed myself by actually doing quite well. I think I found every major area, uh, you know, hidden area, except for in the fishing hamlet. After you go into the mine, you can look down and see a shiny down there, which actually turned out to be a blood rock. And I could never figure out how to get to that one place. But other than that, I think I found everything in the DLC. You know, I was able to do a 99% clear without the wiki. So I was pretty proud of myself on that. Uh, even got the Rakuyo, everything. It was it was nice. What was that experience like going in blind this time versus kind of having all of the preparation ahead of time? Were you was it like a, did it make you scared of the game or like was it more intense? No, it was more fascinating. More the the suspense level was much higher. The adrenaline level was much higher, and it was just I just found it much more rewarding. And so I've played everything since then blind. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the way the way to go. Uh, when Dark Souls Three came out, I just hid myself from all YouTube. Uh, Dark Souls Three DLCs, actually, you know, yeah, just totally ignore stuff. Like when Destiny was coming out, I just like signed off social media. It's like I'm playing this <laughs> thing blind. blind. It actually um, because we follow each other on Twitter and uh, Twitter sends out those dumb notifications like so and so hasn't tweeted in a while or tweeted for the first time in a long time and like your name popped up on my phone the other day it was like Chris has tweeted for the first time in a while it's like where's that dude been <laughs> yeah I was on Destiny two for a month yeah <laughs> I didn't know it had that notification yeah uh, yeah definitely blind is the way to go um, loved the research hall that's my new favorite area just love that area back and forth up and down mm-hmm. 
that's it's such a um, it's such a weird like kind of scary environment like it, it really brings to mind for me going through like three one from demon souls the prison level um because you're you can really easily get lost and it's also a time where you as the player character seems to be exploring something that is like an actual functioning building and not just a game level that they've designed to you know challenge you like it feels like that place was an actual working hospital as opposed to just here's a spooky level that you need to go through yeah it would yeah and the the enemies felt like they lived there right Mm -hmm. it was it was really nice yeah getting up in the rafters finding that you could reconfigure the stairwell and and redo the whole building again uh there's the gardens outside all sorts of shortcuts and blind alleys and backways it was great i loved it yeah, it's a it's a super cool level, and then of course all of the, like the sing songy plip plop stuff that you can find are just it's just so unnerving. Yeah, I did end up killing that NPC by accident because you know ran in the room and there's an enemy, so I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a giant bloated head strapped to a table. Of course, you're going to attack it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I messed up all the, the NPC quests. But that's all right. I got them next time I played it. Although it was the the DLC was pretty hard for me because I actually went in on my new game plus character. Um, so I did struggle a lot with um, uh, who's the guy in um, the the fire guy whose butt falls off when you're halfway through. Oh, um, Lawrence. Lawrence. Oh man, that was hard for me. I think I took like 80 attempts to beat him. Ooh, that was hard. But I did finally get it done. And when I went back later and played it on New Game, I realized that New Game Plus was a big mistake. The DLC is much easier on New Game. Much easier. Yeah, New Game Plus is is a pretty significant jump because, you know, the DLC is already geared for in-game kind of level and item upgrades and things like that. But then you add the, the New Game Plus, you know, 10% 10% bump up to it and you're like holy shit <laughs> like that's significant <laughs> Orphan of Cause is now it extremely like more dangerous than, more than 10% yeah mm-hmm. I, I struggled with both Cause and Lawrence quite a bit um, and then I went and did it on New Game Plus Plus but uh, it was easier because I knew it but not really easier from a difficulty level just because I knew it was made it easier I think Orphan of Cause uh, the more the more I talk about it, and uh, and of course I talk about it a lot because I do this podcast. Uh, Orphan of Cause is probably my favorite boss in, in Bloodborne, maybe even across the series. I just he's just so much fun and intense and scary. Yeah, I, I do love Cause. Uh, I like Lady Maria better, Father Gascoigne, but yeah, Cause is definitely fun. I, I do struggle with him if I haven't played for a while, and then I go in there, he'll kill me ten times before I get the the rhythm going but once mm-hmm. you get the rhythm going he's he's beatable bloodborne is such a weird game i um i hadn't played in quite some time and uh some guys that had been on the show uh a few you know 10 20 episodes ago um asked me to be on their charity stream they were trying to raise money for uh cancer research and so i, I jumped in and helped one of them out with um the some chalice dungeons and it was such a like when I opened up the game and I was like, okay, what do I, what do any of these buttons do again? And like, I kept trying to heal with the wrong button. Yeah. The heels on the wrong button. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, but once you like spend that, like maybe five minutes, even if that, once you get that five minutes in, you're like, okay, now, now I'm home. I know exactly what to do. And it just, it all comes rushing back. It comes back real quick for me. Yeah. That combat system is so satisfying. Like even, I don't think dark souls three even approaches it in terms of just how fun it is to, to play that game. I agree. It's it's by far my favorite from a combat system, for sure. Well, tell and me the about levels. the experience of waiting for Dark Souls Three. Um, are you 
Are you plugged so into? I didn't have to uh, wait long. Mm-hmm. It, it it literally dropped like two or three weeks after I finished Dark Souls two, so it was not a long wait. Um, I also went into that completely blind. I think I'd watched a couple of um, Vadi's really early videos, like you know pre-release kind of stuff. But once I got close, I stopped watching videos and did it all blind. I messed up all the NPC quests, didn't get a single one of those right. Um, and I think I found all the optional areas except Archdragon Peak. Uh, I did see a substone that said try gesture, um, but the rest gesture didn't do anything for me, so I didn't get that to work. Um, favorite area is Cathedral of the Deep. Okay. It's so big and majestic. Um, once you get in, you open those doors, you peer over the edge, and there's that huge giant there. It's just like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go down and fight that thing. I just really like Cathedral of the Deep a lot. It's also the shortcuts. You keep going back to the same uh, bonfire over and over again. There's like what, at least two shortcuts where you end up back at the same bonfire. So I really like that. The, the NPC quest with Onion Boy uh, in the disguise is great. Yeah, I love when Patches comes out of the armor is one of my favorite moments in Souls games. Like for his like you can kind of see it coming, but it's still just like the one of the best cutscenes ever where he just he just burns you and it's so great. <laughs> Patches is, is the savior of the Soul series by far. Yeah, I did disappoint him because I'd already killed both giants by the time I got that. Oh well. Yeah. Um yeah, so one of the enemies I really struggled with was the crocodile, the crocodile dog on the bridge at Irithil. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he ripped me to shreds until I figured out you you really can't go behind him. You have to stand in front and do damage to his head, and then you can get a you know a repost. And but before I figured that out, God, I just died over and over and over again. Could not get him. Now I can get him pretty easily. And the two when you go down the ladder to. Uh, and there's two down there. Yeah, oh, and, that, and that like weird um, like side path with the with the covenant right before we get to Orlando. Yeah, uh, the covenant guy down there, big old fatty. <laughs> there's uh, that Definitely dog hard. is on the especially on the bridge really got me because um, at the time I was playing a mage and I just I was having a really difficult time because mages were underpowered, especially at the very beginning. And uh, so I just ended up running past him. And there's a bonfire right after it, so I set at the bonfire and I was thinking, okay, well this is a closer bonfire. I can just run back but of course he disappears and surprised the hell out of me when i was in the swamp like an hour or two later <laughs> and surprise there's a dog down there in the swamp and now he's chasing you and it's so extremely scary have to jump off the bridge or something huh? i guess so yeah he notices you from the bridge and comes back to, ch- to haunt you so <laughs> I, yeah, I just, on my mage run i cheesed him you can go in and activate him and then run backwards just outside the gate and mm-hmm. you can still shoot like soul arrows at him before ah, he despawns yeah, yeah. But he keeps his his damage. You walk through the gate, he'll spawn with his damage off. So I was able to cheese him when I was a mage. Very nice. As someone that doesn't um, particularly care about the the storyline to these games, what was it like going into Dark Souls 3 and seeing um, kind of like the references back to Dark Souls 1s? Were you just, did those just kind of glaze off of you? Or were you just like, oh, hey, it's Onion Bro again, or, or what have you? Yeah, I, I noticed them, but mm-hmm. and they made me smile. But yeah, they don't bother me. Uh, I'm not you know, again, like you said, I'm not tied into. I'm not heavily invested in the lore, so I don't care if I get the same. 
uh, armor smith and you know gotcha okay blacksmith guide that's fine you're uh, just there for the shrine you're just there to kill some bosses and and sunburn some stuff yeah i mean i enjoyed walking in to you know seeing the Annalano title card i thought that was cool yeah that hadn't been spoiled for me somehow miraculously so lots of good stuff yeah the callbacks don't bother me i'm not particularly a fan of them either they're just there um so on Osiris, I was mm-hmm. sure his tail was going to give me a weapon. It's just such a big, juicy tail. I know, so right? <laughs> I died like 20 times trying to cut his tail off and finally gave up. I was really disappointed that it doesn't give you a weapon. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I was, I was kind of hoping it would. Like, um, I, And obviously, I think it's his soul that gives you the Moonlight Greatsword. So I'm just kind of like, what? I mean, you, you made Seath. <laughs> like, you made small, yeah. fast Seath. Just just let it, let his tail be the Moonlight Greatsword. So just let, let me do yeah, it. I don't know why they didn't. That would have been so nice. So sweet. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, really enjoyed Lothric Castle, mm-hmm. and I really like sunbrowing those four final bosses. So many people need help. You can get summoned in just like 15, 20 seconds. And, you know, the connection system, the sunbrow system in Dark Souls 3 works really well. Um, even today, I can go in there and just play for an hour being sunbrowed on the princes or something like that, just mm-hmm. over and over and over again. It's really nice. Yeah, Dark Souls Three they they improved the network connectivity quite a bit. Um, did you get into doing any of the other Covenant systems or anything like being summoned as a as a Mad Bro or anything like that? The Purple Bros. Um, I tried I tried being the Defender, but I didn't really get um, the Blue Defender. Didn't really get summoned much. I tried being a Forest Defender. Didn't really get summoned very much. So the, they didn't really work out too well for me. Um, so when I had to do those parts of the quest for the platinum trophy, I ended up just farming the enemies that made the drops. Hmm. Um, so I did end up platinum them that game. So I ended up platinum all five games in the space of seven months. I was about to say, like our our time frame here, like you just started playing the it's games. Very and <laughs> That's a lot of souls in a very limited amount of time. It is, and I was still playing Destiny during this time, right? I was really only playing during the content droughts of Destiny. As soon as a new (laughs) DLC would drop, I would go back into Destiny full-time. So it wasn't even full-time souls for me. So yeah, definitely lots of late nights while my family's asleep. I was going to ask, like, because uh, you've mentioned your family a couple of times, do they they look at you playing these games to the to the level that you're playing them, like all of this kind of completionist stuff, and like think that you're just absolutely like a crazy person, or are they kind of supportive in your in your gaming habit? Well, my son's very supportive because he's a completionist in Destiny as well. He plays a ton of Destiny. Um, my wife just tolerates it. Um, <laughs> so, um, my family generally goes to sleep about 9.30, both my son and my wife. So that's generally when I kick off my gaming. So to a large extent, they don't know how many hours I, I play on it. But um, I would say they're supportive. Don't mm-hmm. think I'm crazy. No. Yeah, it, it's fine. We're, we're a gaming family. My wife is big into Pokemon Go. She, she, oh, she has her game. Uh, you know, my son plays tons of Destiny and Minecraft. My son actually plays PvP and Minecraft, which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Like Minecraft is such a weird, like, like it's a young person's game to me. Like I just will never understand yes. it. It's, it's like that crazy hip hop music. I just don't understand that rap. <laughs> like I just don't get it. <laughs> That's not true. I, like, I love hip hop and rap, but like, I just Minecraft is such an alien thing to me. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I have no clue. But yeah, he plays PvP for hours and hours. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that 
that's what what he likes. Uh, yeah, video games. There's a game for everybody, and everybody has some certain game that they love, uh, and they're not all the same. And I think that's a, a great thing about the gaming uh, ecosystem in general. Is you know, there's a game that everybody's going to find some perfect game. Uh, and there's plenty of games that I hate that other people love, and I, I'm totally cool with that. I think it's great. Yeah, it's 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 really fascinating, like how people can find their own different things. Like my wife isn't much of a big video gamer, but um, Diablo three, she's just incredibly into. Like she's you know platinum that game, and she plays. She's probably got hundreds and hundreds of hours into it. And she like she was contemplating the other day. She's like, the new season is going to start in, in November. Maybe maybe you should get a PS4 Pro, and I'll, I can take your PS your old PS4 on the road with me, so we can yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like sure, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm totally okay with all of this. <laughs> That'll keep, work. Keep yeah. talking. I am into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, as a as somebody that's consumed all of these games in such a short amount of time, like looking at where From Software is right now, I don't I don't know how well you or if you keep up with any like the gaming news or announcements or anything. But uh, what do you want to see from software going from From Software going forward? Like, is that are you actively watching announcements and things and waiting for them to release something, or are you just kind of ignoring it until you happen to see something? I definitely watch on you know subscribed on or follow them on Twitter and stuff like that. So I'm definitely waiting anxiously for something to happen. I watch you know E3 and gaming conferences for announcements. Haven't seen anything, uh, but what I'm really want, what I'm really jealous of others is, I want a PS5 launch game. Um, when I saw the Switch. You know, you could pre-order the Switch, and if Zelda was your game, you could pre-order Zelda, and you could have them on day one. You could play your favorite game on your new console. That's actually the experience I want. I was super jealous of all those people that could get their favorite game series on a new console. So I would love a FromSoft PS5 launch title. That's what I would like. Nice. I wonder. Know, hopefully, um, similar combat systems, similar. Yeah. Because you know, how it feels in my hands, I love the environments, but I don't really care where it is, or what setting, whether it's the future, or dark past, or whatever. I'm fine with that. But a launch title is what I would really enjoy. You kind of trust them to do whatever, having having played like 500 hours of these games in the last half of a year. Uh, I'm more at 1,100 hours. 1,100 hours. Okay, excellent. Yeah. That's a man, that's yeah, a lot I've of souls. Back I'm into, yeah, I've gone back into Bloodborne and started doing challenge runs. Uh, I've been doing speed running. Um, I ended up doing New Game Plus 11 in 58 minutes. Whoa. Yes, that's and like. I'm are probably, you just doing uh, all non-optional com- com- content? At yeah, that point? just, just straight more? through the the required bosses. That's awesome. And I've started a blood level four run, and mm-hmm. I just killed a Breedus last night on my blood level four run. So that's where I'm at on that. Quite challenging. Have you uh, have you gotten into the DLC yet on your blood level four run? No, and I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy, the lore hunter, um, yeah. was doing a um, like a blood level four run, and he was doing like kind of explaining the bosses and like doing lore stuff as he was playing, like narrating the videos. And uh, right. he he got stalled out on Ludwig. Like he just, he was just like, I can't. Like I'm, I'm hundreds of attempts in now, and I just I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I totally understand. I'm not I'm not one for many challenge runs. I'm, I probably would never do that. But I can oof, that that like Orphan of Cause it's blood level four is just seems incredibly impossible to me. Yeah, I'm confident I can finish the game because I know, you know, the main bosses that are left from my speedrunning, so I know those strategies really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've 
done front the Nightmare Frontier, but I haven't beat it. Magnolia yet. I've done Caner's Castle, but I haven't beat Lagarius yet. Lagarius, I'm so dependent on um, visceral attacks, and but they're so weak at blood level four, they do almost no damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Maria. I, I totally parry the hell out of Maria, so that one scares me as well. So I know I can finish the game in Blood Level 4 and do German and stuff like that, but yeah, the DLC and some of the optional bosses, I'm not sure I'll be able to finish. Well, cool. Well, Chris, thank you very much for uh, guesting on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and guesting with me. My pleasure entirely. Thank where you can, for uh, Where can people find you on the internet, should they choose to? Uh, the best place is Twitter. I'm at Baller Swag Sword. Okay. Kind of a homage to all those hours I spent farming the Balder side sword. <laughs> yeah, and you can definitely find a link to that in our, in our show notes. Um, and again, thank you very much for, for guesting, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for the invite. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all the previous episodes, all of our guests, um, all of our social media networks. I'll point your attention particularly to the Instagram where I put up very brief videos of each and every episode so you know what you're getting into before you commit a whole hour's worth of listening time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, everybody, for lately reading, leaving some iTunes comments. That really helps me out and helps the show grow. I uh, really, really appreciate that stuff. And if you want to be on the show, uh, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be off hiatus. I'm about to go back onto a hiatus as we're hitting holiday months. Um, so... Go to don'tgiveupskeleton.com slash contact and send me the reason you want to be on the show. And until then, thank you again for listening. And remember, don't give up skeleton. And we're good. Cool. That was great. a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> Doesn't it just like fly by? You look over and you're like, holy shit, it's been 45 minutes. <laughs>